Hey everybody, welcome to the Rob and Callie Show coming to you from New York City. I'm Rob Kay, I'm a life coach here. And I'm Callie Alpert, and I've decided that for today I'm going to be moniker free since I am in professional transition, which we will talk about maybe a little bit more later. I like that. I like moniker free because it's like no pressure. People are like, what do you do? You're like, nothing. I actually, or it could be that I'm from like Queens and I, my name is Monica. But when you add an R to it with that kind of an accent, I become Monica. It's just my silly joke of the day. You know what? I'm just, I already quickly, everybody, I don't know if they know by now that we don't plan our conversation. So it really is free association and it's sort of based on our 10 years of our Sunday morning over-the-phone therapy sessions with each other. Right. So I'm just going to digress immediately. And there's one thing I'm thinking of. um, An old uh, friend of mine, somebody that I'm not actively in touch with, but who I adore, is a really special, different human being, really, really special character. And he used to carry around business cards that just had his name, and then the title was Human Being. And that That's it. good. That kind of covers it. <laughs> What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> right? It kind of does. I mean, he's already like above, you know, above all the constructs and not defining himself by, you know, anything that we do on paper. Mm-hmm. You know? That, that keeps it simple. <laughs> What's your goal in life? I'm just going to keep being human. Yeah. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that because it's not defining our identities by work or our partners or how much money we have or what neighborhood we live in. So in a way, there's something really pure about that, I think. True. That's true. I like how you you were talking about, though, everybody's figured out by now that one person, I think, who's listened to the show (laughs) so far, they're like, oh, so they have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I'm going to make a note of that. (laughs) We do. (laughs) So what are we thinking about today? What have you been thinking about the last few days? Well, I've been thinking about the first show, of course, and things I said that I want to clarify. (laughs) So I need 30 time to just my words. So no, but I was thinking about how in the first show I was talking about, we were talking about spirituality and I was talking about being a guy who's sort of a little bit ashamed about his spirituality and doesn't talk about it so openly with everybody because people think you're religious and there's such a difference between religion and spirituality, I think. Um, and what I realized is that one of the things that I, I wanted to say was it's not, I don't know, it, there is some shame about the spirituality, but I think it's more about being sensitive. Mm-hmm. And to me, most of my life, because you know, I've been sensitive from the time I was a kid, there comes shame with that. And growing up and being a kid who could feel his, his feelings or, or was sensitive to other people, cared about other people. I was always this artistic, creative kid, always naturally spiritual. But I kind of kept all that quiet because just sensitive boys and, and I think sensitive guys, there's sort of the stigma about it, you yeah. know. And I think that's where the way I am today where, you know, the fact, um, even the fact growing up that I could cry. You know, that I had the ability to cry. I mean, I have some guy friends of mine who are, you know, even sensitive guys. Some of them can't cry. They just don't know how to do it. And then I have other guy friends who do. And it's like, even with that, there's some, I don't know, weakness to that. You know, I don't want to show that type of weakness to people. So I think that's something that I want to talk about on the show. Being a straight guy who's also sensitive and spiritual and trying to sort of be, I don't know, proud about it, but not having a problem with it, you know? Right. Who also loves football and wants to get laid. 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that too. <laughs> so it's like it's all balance. There's a yin yang in you, straight boys. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking, and funny you should bring this up because I was thinking about how within the last month there have been three different men um, that I've been around or had some encounter with. Um, all of two of whom I don't know well. One of whom is from my past, who I've recently reunited with, who is a very dear friend, um, and who I dated when I was a teenager. And I was thinking about how, in each encounter, all of them at, at some moment cried, and in each situation, it touched my heart so deeply and made me just wanna eat them alive because I, I valued it. You know, it was something that was so beautiful. So I wonder to you, like, where did you ever learn? Did you ever have a moment or an experience where you felt shamed? Or is it something that you brought upon yourself? I, you know, I think it's just society in general. I think growing up watching television, movies, even talking to other boys, it's the kind of thing where, you know, guys are always fucking with each other, giving each other a hard time. And it's sort of like, you know, one of the easiest ways to make somebody a target is to focus on their weakness or their sensitivity or right. if they get bothered by something. I think it's almost a game that guys play with each other. Like when I sold cars on the car lot, this is years ago in another life, when I was selling cars, we'd be on the point where customers would drive in and then you'd approach a customer and greet them and try and sell them a car. While you're waiting around, you're so bored, you're fucking with each other. So you're all on the point just sort of trying to figure out the other guy's, the other guy's weaknesses, and it's like a game just to pass the time. So I think it's sort of like that. But the other thing is that I think it's not so much guys that I focus on but women because mm-hmm. it's like I just feel like women will see me as weak and unattractive. And I remember one time I cried in front of a friend of mine, Kim, and she said to me, I love your tears. And it just had such an effect on me. I still remember it. I mean, I'm still talking about it because it was this woman who just cared about me and also was saying to me, even in your ugliest or even in your mess, you're still an attractive guy. And I just thought that was just so priceless. Yeah. I think it depends on who's on the receiving end of it. And really, you know, two things. Number one, I think that it, it, it's really the world. And I think we might've talked about this last time, but I don't, I already um, don't, I'm not sure. So I don't want to be too repetitive mm-hmm. that the world and society has not made it easy over the last, since the women's movement really in the seventies has not made it easy for men to know what they're, you know, if they're supposed to be alpha, beta, sensitive, open the door, make the plan, pay, not cry, be sent, you know, stay home and take care of the kids. I think it's been a very confusing time for men over the last many decades. And I feel for that at the same time as a woman, you know, I also, as a very, very sensitive person now and a very sensitive child, if it makes you feel a little bit better, not that I ever felt any sense of shame about sensitivity, but somewhere along the line, I felt like I needed to toughen up. Maybe as a professional working person, I felt like my skin had to be thicker. My idealism had to be a little quashed. I had to get more practical, quote unquote, and sort of start playing that game a little bit more. And somehow that the sensitivity and vulnerability was supposed to be tabled because there was no place for it. And thank God what I've really come to recognize and embrace over the last many years now is that I love my vulnerability and my sensitivity and I kind of bring it everywhere I go. And 
there's times to separate it. I don't believe in being a pool of tears in the workplace when you need to be productive. Right. And you need to have a sense of authority and ownership over what you're doing. But that doesn't mean I haven't cried even with employees or, I hate to say subordinates, but people you're supposed to be putting on a certain game face. And um, and I've always really, I, I like setting that example now. It's a conscious thing I do. So now I just cry wherever I go. Yeah. Just a constant pull of tears now. Right, I mean, I right. Do it. But, you know, Is that why you have that box of Kleenex <laughs> next to you? Are you going to cry during the show? You know what? If you're lucky, I just may. You never know. It wouldn't be the first time you've heard me or seen me cry or counseled me through tears. But I think, and also is it, um, uh, no, I don't want to butcher her name, but is it um, Brene Brown who made vulnerability, you know, really put that on the national platform in the last few <clears> years, <throat> starting with her TED Talk and her book. <clears throat> and part of me thought to myself, why is this so late? Why are people suddenly validating the concept of vulnerability? Yeah. When it's really, I think, a very bold, brave thing. Because <clears throat> we all feel it, and I feel like so many people, if anything, I feel like, one of the biggest pandemics in our country is people not knowing where to go with their feelings. Yeah. Um, maybe men more than women, mm. but, um, you know, feeling like they can't live their truth. And I just, and then the, the, what comes from that between the way people choose to play that out in ways that might be not so helpful or subversive or, you know, comes in the form of addictions or cheating or whatever ways people play that out. Right. Really breaks my heart when all we have to do is just be comfortable with how we feel and give ourselves permission. Yeah. Which, you know, I think the biggest problem is, you know, everybody, when they're a kid, they live from their heart and then they start thinking about things and worrying about things as we get older. And then we start living by our head all the time, you know, and they say that thing, the longest Mm -hmm. distance of the world is from your head to your heart. So I think it's about practice, but I, the point you make is great though, because I did. Yeah. Good point. I'm going to, I'm going to remind you about <laughs> it and you're going to be like, I am fucking smart. <laughs> I don't know what people are talking about. I know what I'm yeah. talking about. So, um, what do you call it? No, it's, it's that that's been a balancing that I've learned in life. Cause you can't be oversensitive all the time. And there have been times in life where I was, and I had to learn how to get thicker skin or not be so hurt by things or take it personally. That was a big one for me. I remember when I was in my early twenties reading a book called how to not take it personally. (laughs) Oh really? That was the title. Yeah. Because like I took everything so personally, (laughs) I was just so self-centered, I guess. (laughs) And so it's like, and that's something that I still, even as an adult, I can overanalyze sometimes or get too serious or, or maybe, you know, I don't know, just it's important to lighten up and to keep it light. And there's a time and a place for feelings. And then there's a time and a place for fucking fun, you know, and, um, that's important. But the other thing you were talking about, it reminded me of something I've been saying for years, which is, I think the next stage of the sexual revolution is going to be where men are accepted for being sensitive, but still strong. And women are accepted for being strong, but still feminine. And I think we're starting to see that with stay-at-home dads like the last decade. Right. Mm-hmm. We never would have seen that in the 70s or 80s. I mean, even in the 90s, I don't know if we would have seen that much. So it's kind of cool that dads are starting to have that sort of nurturing ability that they have as well. Not the same as the moms, but right. just being able to use that, but still keep their masculinity. Because I'm, I'm a, a complete firm believer in a guy being a guy. When I date a girl... I like to be chivalrous. I like to be a gentleman. I like to open the door. I like to pay. As far as, you know, sexually. I was just going to say, I I like to be on top. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that too. And, you know, also, if she wants to be on top, that's fine. You know, we switch it up. But I like to be a guy. And um, I like 
to, I don't, I, I like taking charge, you know, it's, it goes back to sort of, um, that alpha male thing. I like that. And at the same time, I think one thing that I've been trying to practice in my life is welcoming and accepting that other part of me, which is a pretty big part. You know, when you're grow, growing up and you try and show feelings or you try and show that you care about somebody or something, sometimes you're told, don't be so sensitive, you know, and you just take that in. But the other thing is that as we get older, we start reevaluating stuff and start seeing how some things have value that maybe I didn't think they did or some things are positive that I thought were negative. So for me, it's about, you know, just kind of just even talking about it, it, it makes me feel vulnerable. And it's like the reason why I'm talking about it is I feel that this has value to other guys. Yeah, I really... Or even women out there to hear a, a straight guy talking about this, you know? Absolutely. And somehow I have Helen Reddy, I am woman, hear me roar in my head right now. I don't know. The the female equivalent for some... Do you know that song? I do. I am woman, hear me roar. We're going to be singing, I think, on the show too, by the way. Yeah. I didn't tell you that, but that's I was a, kind of thinking that that's a that's little right. sidebar. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> Started from the bottom. You got it. It's a Drake You're, song. Yeah, you're way, you're way better with the rap than me. All right, good. I was going to say, too, this is something that I've experienced a lot in my dating life and that I've talked to a lot of my female friends about, which I appreciate, you know, that's what I appreciate what you're saying, is that when it comes to man taking control, every, I can't speak for every woman, but I can speak for what I would say was 90, 95% of the women out there, yeah. that we love a man to take control, take ownership, yeah. show that they want us, have a plan. I know a lot of times, even when a man is trying to plan a date, especially if it's early on in the relationship, yeah. often I think what they're doing by asking the woman, oh, what neighborhood do you want to meet up in? Mm -hmm. They're trying to do it to be, to make it convenient, to be cooperative where a woman, you know, just wants to hear this is where show up. Yeah. This is the time. This is the place. See you then. <clears throat> and I, Again, I think that might just send out a lot of mixed messages to men. But for the record, boys, I think that's a huge preference that women really dig, you know? They really do. I know it, I do. I just had a date with a girl where I was like, all right, let's meet here. Here's a time. And she said on the date she really appreciated mm -hmm. that. She has guys who are kind of like passive about it and can't make up their minds, and it's unattractive to her. I even There's a guy that I went out with um, very recently, and it, it was uh, I met him. It was, a, it was an application, wasn't it even an online thing? It was one of those apps. Yeah. Which was very new for me. I'd never done that before. I like how you say it. This new thing in America catching <laughs> on called an application. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm a little bit of a hippie and a little bit of a technophobe, so let's just get it out there now. I'm trying. I'm trying to catch up. I've learned how to edit, well, the little editing that we're going to do, I've learned how to do GarageBand. So, I've learned how to upload us to iTunes, so I'm really, I'm, right. I'm changing with the time. This is called a, wait, <laughs> say it with me, computer. computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's this thing on the desk that we're looking at for anybody who can't see us right now, which perhaps would be a few of you. We're in this amazing office <laughs> with no artwork or pictures on the wall at all. It's other. a neutral office. They don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so I met up with this guy, but it took the back and forth of the, and it was an instant chat sort of situation. So not even these well-formed, you know, intimate email back and forth where we're getting to know each other. Hi, how are you? Then three days later, how are you doing? You online? Then what are you doing today? And I'm just like, let's get to the point where we meet. Let's yeah. just, just say it. 
well, would you like to maybe one of these days kind of sort of get together? I'm thinking, dude. No, no. I'm actually weeks. online because I'm so fucking bored. What are you I doing? I love spending my days writing three word back and forth on an instant chat. I don't even know what instant chat is, but I was doing it. You're like, if you want to play words with friends, my username is Rob <laughs> <Exactly>. K-Man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, the point is, is I think that uh, we appreciate the combination of taking control, man taking control, and yeah. being the sexy alpha male, and still showing some sense of vulnerability and emotional availability. I think that that's a really beautiful combo. Yeah. And most of the girlfriends that I have in my life, and some of them are old girlfriends who I dated or was with, had relationships with, I think they've appreciated that side of me. It's just that it still hasn't gotten through completely. Mm-hmm. I still think, oh, it's going to be unattractive or um, just not feeling comfortable being vulnerable. Right. You know? Yeah. I was thinking, though, on the way over, like this morning, um, I like to listen to Boomer and Carton in the morning. Uh-huh. They're on WFM, which is sports radio here in the city. And um, it's Boomer Sison. Right. I don't know if you know him. He used to be a quarterback for the Bengals and then yeah. the Jets. Because my sister went to Maryland. college right. with him. So I'm... I'm aware of him and feel like I might have even crossed paths at some point when she was, you know, friends with him before he got right. popular and famous and professional. Yeah. Right, right. Well, he's on the morning show with Craig Carton, who happened to go to Syracuse. and um, Our alma mater. Yeah. Even though we didn't know each other then. Yeah. Which, yeah. Were we there at the same time? We might have been. No, we yeah. were a few years All old, right. but. Anyway, so I like to listen to their show, but they're on like 6 to 10 in the morning and I usually get up and do morning pages from the artist's way and meditate, get to the gym. So at lunch, I watch their show because they do, um, they do a telecast on CBS television or CBS sports, CBS sports television or something on cable. So I was watching today and I was thinking about our show today because it's only the second show. And I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, talking about sensitivity, excuse me. And Boomer and Carton have he this... He burped. That's a very guy thing, just for everybody yeah, out there, boy. just so we know. Yeah, totally. Well balanced. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, Boomer and Carton have this great chemistry where they're, like, really good friends who fuck with each other on the show. And at the same time, they show they're kind of sensitive, and they both have foundations for raising money for causes they believe in, and they do a lot of good things for the community. So they show all different sides to them. But I was thinking while watching the show today, I'm like, what would they fucking think if they listened to our show and heard me talking (laughs) about this? And so I started to edit what I was going to say, just thinking about what these other two guys would think, you know, like not that they're ever going to listen to this show, but I was thinking, but it's a great example about how I'm not true to who I am because I'm thinking about what some other dudes would think. Now, let me just, that's a lot of power to give them. I mean, they should feel really flattered. Well, but just thinking about what these, these other guys, like, what would they even think if they heard some guy talking about feelings and sensitivity? You know, they'd probably be like, you know, what is he talking about? Although those two guys may understand, but you understand the point, the general point of how sometimes I think about what generally guys would think when they listen. Now, I think most, most of my guy friends are pretty sensitive, cool, alpha male guys. That's just who I've attracted in my life. That That's kind of friends that I like to have. Yeah. And those are the kind of people I relate to, you know, and the women have a lot of strong women in my life who are very feminine and really can embrace that side to themselves. So I'm pretty fucking lucky with my friends. 
If I do say so myself. Yep. No, you have. You, I, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, I remember speaking about what you draw to yourself and just how there's <clears> something <throat> about, you know, what was it? There's a cute little quote I've seen almost, on, I think it's on Facebook lately, which is, your vibe attracts your tribe. And so I was flashing back to a time in my life when I wasn't really happy with a lot of the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling very <clears throat> frustrated in knowing that it was on me to project something different because that's a lot of responsibility. And it's a pain in the ass when you have to take responsibility for yourself yeah. and who you attract and the shit that you have to fix. Oh, you mean it just doesn't happen to you randomly? <laughs> well, I, my magical thinking <laughs> wishes that it, it did, but you know, sometimes you have to take a little responsibility for this stuff. Uh-huh. And I, but I do remember a chapter like that in my life. Now I can say, it's not like I can even tell you consciously what I did. I probably tried to be more true to myself. I probably tried to spend more time doing things that make me happy and around um, the types of groups of people that I feel more aligned with. I feel like I have the greatest, most beautiful friends. Like I've really found my chosen family, my soulmates in this lifetime. Yeah. That Because I think it is kind of fascinating when you can find people. Yeah. And as I always say, because I always <clears throat> gauge my connections with people based on where in my body I feel it. Yeah. So, like, you can see right now I'm pointing to my solar plexus, sort of my kishkas, as we say, as our people would say in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of your gut. Yeah. And that's really how I feel about 99% of my inner circle of friends and maybe there's a few where I resonate with them more intellectually or more emotionally, but not, you know, not as much on a soul level. Yeah. What are, what are the odds of that? That's such a beautiful thing to be able to say. I feel so lucky. Yeah. I, I, I wish we lived closer together. That's always been my thing is that they're very scattered. Yeah. Um, so it's great cause you have great places to go visit, but it's not like I have a daily interaction with them and I crave that. Um, but I guess the point here is that you really can attract what you want based on what you put out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and I like that. You know, what did you say? Your vibe makes your, your tribe. Your vibe attracts your tribe or your vibe makes your tribe. It's good, right? Yeah. It's cute. No, it's good. Totally. Yeah. And, um, yeah. What was I just thinking about? What do you call it? Um, that basically, um, oh, I remember when Friends came out, the show Friends, and I was like, I want to have a group yeah. of friends like that. Yeah. And it's like, I thought to myself, I'll get the girl, then I'll get the group of friends. <laughs> and what I found, it was the opposite. Yeah. I found that I made really good friendships, people that are like brothers and sisters to me. And then I had a really great relationship. And for me, it happened later in life. I've always been a late bloomer. So it took me a while to sort of make myself available and let a woman get that close. And then I experienced that type of intimacy, but it's because... I experienced really cool intimacy with friends first and had this really great group of friends. And then I sort of, I don't know, got myself ready for that type of romantic relationship, you know? Yeah. I think it's, they say, you know, as, um, being, first of all, when you're, you know, a single chick in New York city, it's not an easy, it's not a kind of I was just about to say, it's so easy. (laughs) It's not a kind market. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a tough place, you know. It's a jungle out there, and I try not to dignify all those cliches about you know if you're working a lot or if you're not in your twenties going to bars anymore or it, I you know I try not to dignify or the odds or you know men are always looking for what's around the corner for the better option. So I try not to you know play not to dignify all that too much. But one of the other kind of cliche suggestions people often have is just 
separate from the online thing is just live your life, fill yourself up with the things that make you happy and do, oh, I just got the five. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> I just got the five minute, the five minute heads up. From Could our, you wrap this from, up? From our, <laughs> from our engineer and from the, and our executive producer. Oh, I mean, Rob. No, I was going to say we've come up with like a phantom name of the producer engineer. <laughs> no, it's sort of like, yeah, well now I could, uh, I was, I just had an old Brady Bunch episode in my head that I, I will not cite and totally date myself. Um, but often people say that you should just <coughs> do things that make you happy. Do, you know, find your, your fun diversions and join the groups and be open hearted. And it sounds so cliche, but it's kind of the same thing that you're saying, which yeah. is that once you fill up your, you know, your own cup, that's when the good shit happens because you're happy and you feel satisfied. And that runs into, you know, kind of bleeds into all the other aspects of your life. I think it gets harder and harder to do that, but that's a whole, that's a separate topic. Well, yeah, but also at the same time, it may be harder to do that, but I think as we get older, at least for me, especially when I passed 40, I started to really simplify things. And I think I've always tried to, I try, I've tried to appreciate the little things, but especially as I get older, I just really appreciate the little things and the little moments and having, you know, birthday dinner with friends like a couple weeks ago, just stuff like that means a lot, you know, and I just, I'm grateful for it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a kind of thing where I think when I was younger, I had such a different idea about where I'd be and what would be important to me. And then you really go through life and you experience reality and what really happens. And so, you know, we're both in transition career wise and I'm focusing on building the life coaching. You know, I was a voiceover actor for a long time, really could never gain traction or momentum with that enough completely for a career. And I think one reason, because my heart was never fully in it, you know, doing commercials for McDonald's or some other company is like, yeah, I like doing it. I like being in front of a mic, but I'd much rather be in front of a mic doing this, you know, being on a show where we're doing life coaching or helping people or just talking about our process and how life has been for us. And maybe we can help the kids who are behind us, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I've always enjoyed the idea of mentoring and I've been lucky enough to have a lot of opportunities to do that with kids that are fresh out of college that are looking to get into television given that that's been my most my long-standing career that's what I've mentored the most in yeah and um definitely you got to pass it you got to pass it on got to pass along the wisdom I think then in that to me is magic like that helps me more yeah probably than it helps the kids yeah besides the fact that it's so fun to hear yourself talk yeah Yeah. um but it's really it's it is (laughs) try it (laughs) y'all but it's also you you forget how much you know you know, and you get to a certain place in life and you just have life experience coupled with the fact that you're sen- you know, a sensitive person, so you absorb and you feel high highs and low lows. Yeah. And, you, and you're creative, <clears throat> or creative, or if you have um, learning lessons in your family of origin, or you've been to therapy, I mean, all the different kinds of challenges that come and go in people's lives. Yeah. Um, I think we forget how much we know and how much value that can be to people. Did you ever say something to somebody and you're like, how the fuck did I even know that? A lot. Like, I totally forgot that I even knew that. Or, like, a memory where you're like, oh, my God, I did do that. Like, I, you totally forget things or even things that you know. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it happens, a, it happens a lot. And sometimes it's intuitive. Yeah. I think where you just sort of can kind of channel something or have enough understanding or empathy for some situation that you haven't literally been in. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if that comes from another place or if that's partly empirical based on 
similar situations that we've experienced, you know? Yeah. But I just wanted to go back to one thing because I know, and we have to wrap up, but just about the little things and really simplifying because I think we're going to have to do an episode that really deals with transition. I can share a little bit more of this past year um, for me and talk about your transition. I think that's a really valuable topic. Yeah. But quickly, I'm thinking about one of my dear friends. I just uh, was thinking about her as we were talking about our, you know, chosen family, our tribe on this planet. And she's a very, very dear, yummy friend of mine um, who is just recently finalized her divorce and has had a very, very tough year plus coming out of a 10-year divorce as anybody would. And she was having some particularly bad days recently. And we were talking and I was asking her how she was doing, checking in. And she had a lot of other stuff going on. Even her house was breaking down. There was just like this myriad of crazy stuff happening, almost like poltergeist, the chimney and the roof and the back tree and fell down, you know, and all this crazy stuff was happening that was inexplicable. And so what she was trying to do besides laugh at it, because there was no rational explanation for everything, you know, coming down at the same time was to go for walks. And it just got as simple as just looking down at the ground and seeing a beautiful pine cone. And so now that's been our, it's a frame of reference for us when we're having a tricky or challenging day, that sometimes it's just about the pine cone and just noticing that one little beautiful thing inside your day when all the big stuff is so beyond your control. And it's actually a pretty good way to live even on a good day. Right. Just to be very, very focused on those things that, you know, keep you present. Yeah. And keep it simple. Yeah. Don't cost anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nature's free. What do you call it? Unless you want beachfront property in the Hamptons, but that's a whole other That's a whole other story. Yes. So, but no, to go back what you were saying about, you know, the vibe and dating, I think that, uh, and just what you said about trying to find things to feel good and keep your vibe higher, you know, be in a good mood. Whenever, like, I've done a lot of online dating and whenever I'm not having any luck meeting someone or I meet a girl who's really unhappy or whatever it may be. It comes back to me. I know it's my vibe. I'm usually right. not happy with myself. You know, being in transition the way I have career-wise the last year or so, it's like I haven't felt great about myself when I'm on a date. And so sometimes I'm attracting women who don't feel great about themselves. So when people start complaining or I have clients who have a real challenge with dating or things going on in their life, I'm like, let's focus on your vibe. Let's focus on how you're feeling about yourself because that's the vibration you're putting out to the world and totally. that's what you're attracting. You it, know? It's total, it's the mirror thing. I mean, it really is so universally consistent. I mean, I find when I'm in a crank ass mood, I walk down the streets of New York city and I can't stand the city. Yeah. And I have my issues with it anyway. Yeah. But when I, you know, just met some cute guy or had a nice whatever, <clears throat> or, something good just happened or a promotion or just feeling good that day. Um, suddenly it's like, and everything's rosy colored and you know, it's, but it's, but I catch myself in those moments because nothing's changed externally. It's purely the filters through which you're looking at your life and looking at other people. Yeah. Yeah. I have this thing that I know I'm in a really bad place when I just think to myself, I hate people. Like just in general, the whole fucking human race. I just hate people. I, and I hear you. Then I know I'm in a real, like maybe I should try and make a phone call to somebody or meditate or get to the gym or something. But, um, um, you know, the opposite of that is that I try and not get too high or too low. And that's something I've learned in life. 
because when I was younger, I rode the highs and then I fell with the lows. And I still can do that as an, you know, a guy who's a little bit older, but I pr- try and practice a little more balance and not get too excited, not get too down. And, um, again, I think it goes back to what you're saying. It's like even something really small, like just even us meeting today and recording, this has put me in a great mood because we're taking a fucking chance and doing something that we've been talking about doing for years. And it's like, just doing this makes me feel like I'm 10 feet tall. Yeah. As opposed to the five, five foot. Yeah. I was telling, I've been telling Callie (laughs) and actually I had a talk with a buddy of mine, Liam, the other day that, uh, um, and by the way, he was a star quarterback in high school, but he's this guy who's sensitive. So I kind of think that's cool. Again, one of my buddies anyway. So, um, but I was telling him and I was telling you that, um, when I walk around the city, I'm six foot, like maybe six one. And I usually feel like I'm five, eight. Like I just, and I don't know if it's because I was the last kid in high school to hit puberty. Maybe that's what it is. I still think I'm that short, chubby teenage kid, but I usually walk around the city. I have to remind myself that I'm six feet tall. You, you know? are. Yeah. 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 I see it. Yeah. I see, but I, but also, but I understand that too. I, when I feel not as powerful or not as with, you know, together in my life, I, my, I literally do get shorter because my posture changes and yeah. I don't feel like I'm, you know, um, but I think that that's very endearing to hear you say that. Well, and I'm going to have to give you, I'm going to have to write one to draw those like lines on the wall right. today, Rob, <laughs> six feet two. <laughs> How did Rob feel today? No, but, but that's something that I do. Like if I notice that I'm feeling that way, I straighten up more and yeah. I'm like, no, I'm fucking six feet tall. That's right. Motherfucker. That's right. With that, we're going to end this fucking show. And if you got a problem with that, you can write us and tell us about it. So, um, our email is, yeah, our email is the Rob and Callie show at gmail.com. Please feel free to write to us. Give us all your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking about our topics, how we're doing. If there's anything you'd like to hear, anything that you hate that we're doing, we're open to your candid. This is the open book show open book format so we welcome all of your candor and um the other thing is if you're interested in a life coaching session with me you can go to robk.com that's r-o-b-k-a-y-e.com with that this has been a great second show thanks for listening take care